KYW Original Podcasts. This is KYW In-Depth. My name is Matt Leon. Travel, of course, plummeted once the COVID-19 pandemic hit the U.S. And while things are a bit better, they are nowhere near what we were used to. And that has meant bad things for airlines. Now, at the end of September, a lifeline of federal money for the airlines ran out. Soon after, American and United announced thousands of furloughs. So what does all this mean for the airline industry? Could help still be on the way? And even if it is, have things been changed forever in the industry? To talk about all this, we reached out to Dr. Benjamin Ouchler. He is an assistant professor of travel and tourism in the School of Sport, Tourism, and Hospitality Management at Temple University. Really interesting and timely stuff. Give a listen. So we spoke a month ago about airlines and their future, and a lot has happened uh, as we speak here. It's almost like minute-by-minute updates, but uh, we had thousands of people get layoffs slash furloughed at the end of September as that federal money ran out. Let's kind of start there. How devastating is that on its merits right there that the airlines had to take that step? I mean, I think it's it's incredibly devastating. And I know when we spoke about a month ago, I think more of the issues were kind of these these larger economic issues and kind of service-related issues of lack of accessibility to certain destinations, less flights, being, you know, concerns about catching COVID on a plane. And I think now this has moved on to more of, it's a human story. I mean, we're talking 32,000 people laid off. I think that's among American Airlines and United Airlines. If I recall, I think it's American that's laying off 13,000 and United that's laying off 19,000. You know, that's that's everything, flight attendants to pilots. So really all across the board as far as, far as the jobs go. But I think what people should remember is you get furloughed or laid off. I mean, this is the end of your, you know, health insurance, for example, for 32,000 people. This is, you know, uh, impacts people's 401ks that, you know, for 32,000 people. And then when you take an even bigger picture about this, you know, that means we're adding 32,000 people to to unemployment. So again, I think this is this has a huge snowball effect in so many ways that from an individual perspective for all of these folks to larger impacts on, you know, I'm not here to, I'm not an economics professor or anything like that, but larger impacts on, 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 on state finances. So, I mean, this is, this is big. This 32,000 people is, is, is a lot of pe- is a lot of people. As we're talking here, I think one of the reasons, well, not one of the reasons, this step was taken because the airlines were hoping for federal money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it looked like those talks were dead Literally, as we're speaking here, we're getting word that the Speaker of the House is urging them to hold off on this, that there's money coming either in a standalone or part of a a deal. But, I mean, is this a situation from what we know, if the airlines get this money, will they bring all these people back? Or is it, for some people, life has changed forever? Or is that unknown? Well... I think all we can really go on is what these airline CEOs are saying. And most of them are putting out a pretty good, um, you know, some good statements about what this sort of stimulus means that if this money comes through um, and, you know, I think if, if the larger bill, I think it was about 2.2 billion or 2.2 trillion, sorry. And I think the airline industry would get $25 billion or something like that, that they've said, if this money comes through, they are not going to do these layoffs and furloughs. Now, again, I think, 
like you said, I mean, we never know what exactly that means. But I think what the CEOs are really reiterating is that we don't want to do this at all. I mean, this is being forced on us by the current situation. I mean, and again, I think, you know, as we talked about some economic things last time, I mean, things are still looking really poor for the airline industry. Um, if you look at it in the, in the month of September, TSA has not checked in more than a, 1 million people in a day. And if you look back same time, you know, uh, a year ago in September, you were averaging around 2 million, 2.4 million passengers per day. So the state of the industry is still down, but I think these CEOs have done a pretty good, they're doing a good job of saying, we want the people, we don't want to do this. And this is not our fault. I mean, we just can't sustain ourselves. you know, when 50% of, you know, 50% on average flights are down per day, they've lost $23 billion. The economics are just not there to support these folks, but if the money's there, these CEOs want the, the people there, and they, they're, they're really pushing that point. Let me ask, and I don't know if this falls outside your area of expertise, but things were great for airlines pre-COVID. Sure. Is there not a little blame or a little shade to be cast that maybe uh, a little bit more should have been done when times were good? Not that you could ever prepare and gird against what you're going up against now, but more done to, to help bridge the gap in case of emergency, financial emergency, or am I being naive, not understanding how the sausage is made? <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Um, you know, I think this, you know, co I, I think when we think about the travel industry, airlines, you know, but travel and tourism in general is this is an incredibly resilient industry. And I think when we look at prior, what I would call these kind of wild card events or black swan events where, you know, you didn't expect this to happen and it kind of came out of nowhere, whether it was a human made impact or in this case, more of like a, a natural you know, a nature-based impact in a sense, is that the industry has always been able to bounce back relatively quickly. I mean, I, I really think back to 9-11, and obviously there was a complete shutdown of all domestic international flights. I mean, you were talking about a full-on shutdown, and within a year, the industry was able to, to bounce back. So I think in many cases, the industry has always taken the precautions to to combat what we thought could be these sorts of black swan or wild card events. But this, this, you know, COVID, I think is just beyond, it's beyond the scope of what I think a lot of us could have ever imagined we would be at. And especially now where we're six or seven months into this thing at this point, that I think this is so, I think just for everybody, not even with thinking about the industry, this is just, it's insane. And I don't think that anyone thought that there'd be this sort of almost delay or stop or major stoppages for seven months on, but Things have not gotten better in this country. I mean, if you look at the averages of cases, it's still around 45,000 cases a, a day. Um, and I think people are just scared to fly. And it makes sense to me. I think the, psych the psychology of flying has really been impacted. I mean, being in close quarters with people, wearing masks. I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff there that I think is really hard to overcome. And the reality of it is, is that the chances of catching COVID on a plane are still really low. Let's not forget that. I mean, it's not that it's impossible. I'm not saying that at all, but you wear a mask, you take the proper precautions, you wash your hands. It's still pretty low. Now it increases as the, the longer the flight is because there's longer exposure. But I think we're really dealing with a psychological, a kind of a psychological constraint or barrier because 
I know thinking about being in a, in a tight and closed space, like an airplane. I mean, I did it about a month ago. It's, it's a weird feeling. So um, I think that's going to be one of the biggest things that the airlines have to overcome. And I don't think they ever could have foreseen something like this, where, you know, it was the fear of being in a enclosed spot by kind of the, the enemy being something you can't see and you don't know who has it. So I personally believe that there wasn't, I don't know what could have been done. I mean, maybe you save more money, but they were employing people. And I think that's a good thing. So I think the airlines, I feel the airlines have done well. And I think these CEOs, when you hear them from all the, the four, you know, four or five major airlines in the United States, they are adamant that we want our people back. We don't want this, but it, things just aren't adding up at the, at the, at the moment to keep people employed. So if I'm not mistaken, let's assume the airlines get exactly what they want federal money wise. Mm-hmm. So that would push, I think to April that it would, yes, I've heard that it would extend to April. We're not going to be better as a society no. then. So is this just kind of a six months extension and we kind of kick the can down the road and it's, we'll deal with it when that day comes and, Nobody's fault. I'm just saying, like this. This would be a sure. bandaid for now. It would not fix the problem. Yes, and I think all we can do is have a bandaid. I mean, I think I really think if they can get this, you know, this the stimulus, bandaid, whatever we want to call it, and and get six more months, I think you these airlines really have to focus on the psychological impacts or the psychological aspects of flying right now because. That is what I think is holding people back. And I mean, there's so many different things holding people back. But, you know, we we continually hear that it's being in these enclosed spaces, not being able to be six feet apart from folks, um, you know, masks and things like that. That I think that is something that somehow airlines are going to have to explain to people that our uh, ventilation systems make it incredibly hard for this to happen you wear a mask it's incredibly hard to get to get you know to catch covid so i think that's something that we really that airlines are going to have to consider if they can get this kind of stimulus for the next six months but you're exactly right i mean it is kicking the can down but i'm my concern for the airline industry is i don't know what else you can do unless you can get people to fly this is not a problem that's just going to change even after there, you know, if there's a vaccine in the next few months or something, I think there's a, a psychological barrier here that people are going to have to overcome. And I don't know how long that's going to take to happen, honestly. And what is the, I don't know, like all these people get layoff furlough notices, say the money comes through, everybody goes back to work, but you have to know come April, if we're doing the same dance again, Well, I know what list I'm on. And is there a concern? You might have a lot of people that maybe are okay now, but say, hey, you know what? I dodged the bullet here. I'm going to go do X, Y, and Z, or I'm going to retire, or I'm not, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, That could lead to its own set of problems. Yeah, I mean, one of the things to, to also look at, so, you know, the, the layoffs are happening with United and American. The other two airlines that I've been, you know, been in the news a bit related to the layoffs are Delta and Southwest. Now, I think Southwest is not doing any sort of layoffs. Delta is not doing any sort of serious layoffs like we're seeing from these other two airlines, mainly because they were very proactive in looking at people, you know, saying, would you be willing to retire early? Could you take some sort of pay cut? Would you be willing to do a voluntary furlough? 
Um, so I think some of the, you know, two of these airlines have been somewhat proactive. And I think American and United have been too. But I think that's definitely an issue. And I think something, and again, I'm not an, uh, by, by no means am I an economics uh, expert, but one of the things that we find when you see these massive sorts of layoffs is that some people come back, but in many instances, the longer you're laid off, these become more permanent. So I think that's, that's got to be a fear as well. And I would also imagine you're, you're right that there's a psychological issue. Man, I got was on the chopping block in October. Sure, I get my job back for six more months, but I know exactly who's on that list again. So I have to imagine for some of these folks, there's a psychological issue there as well. But at the same time, I mean, it is six more months of work. It's health insurance. You know, it's more towards a pension or whatever, you know, whatever. So you know, and jobs are not easy to come by right now. So I would have to imagine that people would want to be back working. But again, I mean, it, it's got to be tough knowing that if this doesn't get better really soon, um, I'm back in the same position I was, you know, in uh, in October. Given how long this is dragged on and given it's going to drag on longer, we can, you know, who knows to what degree, but what are going to be the long-term implications of the pandemic you think on airlines we do you think we will see mergers do you think we could see and i'm talking even if they get their money like like Mm -hmm. we said there's a certain point where it's not going to come back to 100 percent for a long time could we see even like airports shut down maybe some cities that have three only have two i mean that's gonna i would imagine these are all things we could see if we game this out yeah, I, I think it's a great point. Now, I have not seen anything particular or specific to some of those some of those more drastic moves, but I think we have to be honest that a lot of the data out there is saying we might not see um, what we you know the level of travel that we saw prior to COVID to maybe you know like 2023, 2024. I mean, so that's we're talking three and a half years potentially. So you would have to think there are going to be those dra- some sort of drastic changes, especially for some of these smaller airports that were kind of more secondary. If you're not getting the, the traffic inflow, if people aren't going there, then again, I don't know if they shut down, but there's going to be major cuts there. Um, and you would have to think, you know, I, I'll just use New York City as an example because we have JFK and LaGuardia. I mean, obviously, those are two very um, uh, highly used airports, but you'd have to think in some of these cities that that's going to be the case. And are more and more of these air, uh, airline companies going to streamline service and say, you know, we're only going to this place as opposed to this place. So um, I can see that happening. I have not seen anything come out saying that airports are looking to close at the moment, but three and a half years is a long time. And I think we know if anything that the news cycle just in general is telling us a lot can happen in 24 hours. So I wouldn't be surprised, but I haven't seen anything like that coming out at the moment. And I would think kind of to that point, those are extreme examples. And like Mm -hmm. you said, there's nothing indicating, but if you game this out, it is not Mm -hmm. crazy. I think something we have gotten very used to as a society, being able to go where we want, when we Mm -hmm. want, pretty much on our terms. Yes. And I think one low key ramification of all this is like, it could be really hard to go to Duluth or it could be really hard to go to Cheyenne, Wyoming, where, oh, yeah. where it might be a direct flight, maybe two. all of a sudden. I remember I went to San Antonio for work 20 years ago and I'd take four different flights. Sure. Like, you know, it was a pain. It was for business. Mm-hmm. 
Could we see that where all of a sudden life gets a lot more difficult as far as if you're traveling by air trying to get from A to B? I think we already are seeing that. I mean, I it's it's interesting point you make that um, I do a lot of stuff out in in Salt Lake City in Utah, and you know, coming out of Philadelphia, I think every day there was always one flight. You know, which it's fine. You know, start, leaves at five, gets there. You know, I don't know, gets there at you know nine at night. And when this hit, all of a sudden, you know, one day I saw the flight. Oh, I can take that flight in a month. And then that flight got canceled all of a sudden. And then it got pushed back for another month until it would open up again. So if if a major city like Salt Lake is seeing those connectivity issues between a place like Philadelphia and, and I, you know, Salt Lake City is a pretty big, it's a big city. Um, you have to think like a place like Duluth or kind of these secondary, I don't want to call them secondary cities, but these smaller cities, if there's not the demand to go there, um, then these then airlines are going to have to cut that. I mean, you have to think about how are we going to save money and it's cutting flights. So you, you would have to imagine that's definitely on the table. It's already on the table. And again, if we're trying to keep 32,000 people employed and we know we only have this little, you know, this, this stimulus for six months, that's what starts happening. So I, I agree with you. I think we're going to have to get very used to the fact that the connectivity, these, this ease of connectivity that we've had for years, I think that's, that's coming to an end, at least for the considerable future. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon. 